Charles. And as always, we're joined by Graham Matthews from Bleacher Report. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant. Graham, what's up, my man? How you doing? Doing great, Randy. As always, looking forward to Hell in a Cell in 10 more days. we got some no- more news on the pay-per-view this past weekend. Raw, the return of Goldberg, talking smack, a lot of stuff to discuss here today on the show. Absolutely, man. Uh, like you said, 10 days away from Hell in a Cell, Goldberg return. Uh, a lot of interesting things on SmackDown happening. Um, so let's get right to it. Uh, Bill Goldberg returns to the WWE First time in 12 years uh, in front of the crowd, live audience. Um, I like how, one, the one thing that really stood out to me, or one of two things, was the fact that they used his WC, uh, WCW theme um, for his, his, his way in, and they used the WWE theme on the way out, and also the fact that they followed him from the back, from wherever his dressing room was. They followed him all the way to the entrance. The sparkles, the crowd went, the crowd went, uh, went crazy, and it kind of took you back all the way to you know 2002, 03, 04 when he was with the company. Um, before we get into what he said in the ring, just what was your your thoughts uh, of the expectations of him coming back? With uh, the theme music, his entrance to the to the ring, what was your thoughts on that? The entrance itself was epic. I really don't think there's any other way to describe it than just that epic. For the first time in 12 years, WWE fans got to see that whole entrance. It was great. Like you said, I picked up on that, too. I saw someone else tweet about that. It looked more into it. You're absolutely right. He came out to the WCW music, which was a big thing with people. It's not drastically different from his... Uh, from his WWE music. They're kind of along the same lines. They are definitely different. Um, unlike Sting, who had his WCW music, right. and his WWE music was something completely different. It is a different song. Why they didn't use the same song in WWE, I don't know. Um, but I think it is cool. They got the best of both worlds with the WCW music coming out and the WWE music while he was leaving. I thought that was great. The walking through the back was awesome. Um, something I don't know if I wasn't expecting it, but I wasn't really anticipating it. But when it happened and you see all the, you know, the current roster members marking out in the back, visibly marking out while they see Goldberg walking to the ring, it was great. It seemed like a lot of people were very happy with that, even before, like you said, even before the best promo he's probably ever cut in his entire career. Uh, I thought the entrance, the presentation of everything with the sparklers, breathing out the smoke. For someone like me who has never experienced the Goldberg entrance, as a fan before, I got the pleasure of seeing him live about a year and a half ago at some baseball stadium and city at, at, uh, at City Field last year. But that was unlike anything what we saw on Monday night. So to see that as a fan was great for people like yourself, people that were watching back in the WCW days, early WWE days. It was a trip down memory lane. So I thought even before the promo itself, which was awesome alone, I thought the entrance was just beyond amazing. So let me get this straight. Uh, you, you, what are you, like 20, 21 years old, right? I'm 21 years old, yes. So you mean to tell me that when Goldberg was last in the company, you were nine years old? I was nine years old at that point, yeah, which is crazy to think about. I was hardly, the wrestling was not even in my mind at that point. And his first, you know, WCW run, you were like two, three, four years old. <laughs> <laughs> I was barely alive at the point, yes, that he was in his prime. Okay, so now, now I get it where, you know, it, it's... Is, is different for you 
than it is for me because when you know I saw his entire WCW run, I saw his his entire mm-hmm. WWE run, and it was just something that you know for for people my <clears throat> should be my age, early thirties, mid thirties, to really you know see Goldberg, and obviously the first thing you're gonna say is like, wow, Goldberg's kind of old, but. You know, he might be in shape to, to, to take on Brock Lesnar or to even have an, an, an 8-10 minute match. And it's like, wow, like everything with the whole, you know, I think they really pinpointed the whole nostalgia aspect of the entrance, the music, um, you know, him doing the whatever he does when the sparklers come out and just having that aura. And even the crowd chanting Goldberg and, or serenaded him with Goldberg chants and it, it just kind of took you back to when you know, wrestling was on top of the world, you know, on TV and cable. Obviously, it's a different time. But when once he got in that ring, man, and he was talking, and, you know, you know, people could say he, he wasn't the best, you know, in-ring talker or promo guy. But I think, you know, for what it's worth, you know, for what he did on Monday, uh, I think everything worked out. You know, he talked about him wanting to be there. Um, the fans did not forget about him. Uh, which, which probably one thing he he was hoping that that did not happen because you know we do have a lot of younger generation fans out there um, that may have never seen his title run, may have may have never even seen him wrestle, or may have never heard of him until last week. So just getting that 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 serenade chance of Goldberg around um, the arena in Denver just just kind of made him feel better. He got emotional and he went along with the promo about Brock and the the video game and I think he really held his own and you know for some people that are like you know what I don't want to see Goldberg and Brock again you know maybe it kind of make the fans think twice like you know what maybe this could be interesting I thought it was very well done I don't think the return on Monday could have gone better than it did I mean Goldberg as you said was never the greatest talker or wrestler in WWE WCW whatever have you but I thought the way it was done from the entrance, and i got to give props to the crowd, too. I've never known Denver or uh, any Colorado city to be that great of a wrestling city. But like you said, everyone in that arena was chanting, Goldberg, this is awesome, before he even started speaking. Holy shit, chance before he even started speaking. Yeah. So i got to give them props, because I might have spoken on your show last week, but I was really fearful they might give them the... The Bret Hart reaction, as it's been called now, or the Batista reaction. More so the Bret Hart reaction when he came out. And again, they changed his music, too, when he first came out seven, six years ago at this point. And he got like a, yay, like Bret Hart's back. Like, you don't really remember him or whatever city was. It was awful. It had nothing to do with WWE or Bret Hart. It was all the crowd. So the crowd on Monday was great. And just everything he said, like you said, it, it felt real. The emotion he said was great. Um, just everything about it just came off so perfectly and and it felt legitimate too because you know Goldberg has never been the biggest wrestling guy in the time that he's been gone from the business for the past 12 dozen years for the past dozen years this guy's been gone from WWE he's never claimed to have loved wrestling but he never said that in the promo either he just said he missed the fans that they remember that he that they remembered him and he talked about the same thing on Stone Cold's podcast a few months ago about how one of the greatest things he loved about being a wrestler was being a superhero for little kids. And he talked just right about that in his promo on Monday. He, he was, you know, hugging fans. He was hugging kids in the front row on his way down, on his way out. He talked about his family. And that's been the biggest thing, too. If it wasn't for his son and the fact that he's never, his son has never been able to see him wrestle, he probably wouldn't be back. I think that's his number one factor in addition to the money, obviously. Um, but I feel even the Brock Lesnar stuff was great, too. I think a lot of people would have cringed 
had you told him in, in 2016 Goldberg would be coming out for a five-minute promo. But everything he said I thought was near perfect. And the, the challenge to Goldberg was really well done from the whole you're next to your last line. People pop for that. So, yeah, I really don't think it could have come off any better than it did. Yeah, so what did you make of, you know, you're not only next, but your last comment. Did you make you, did he make you feel like this could be the last match? Or maybe um, they could be not only a Brock Lesnar match, but maybe following the match after that. Or do you really think Goldberg and Brock Lesnar will be the last match in his career? I don't know that. Um, I feel like that was the intent coming in, but I feel like if the reaction to Monday's return was any indication, there was a good chance it won't be. I would love it for me, prefer it to be. I'd be a hypocrite if I said it didn't, if I didn't, if I said I didn't want it to be his last match, just because I told you last week when we talked to him here on your show that I really want Goldberg back, not for a full-on run. He doesn't need a title run or another full-on year run of the company, like a la like Kurt Angle would if he came back. One match is fine for me. Um, it really all depends on how that match goes off. I know, you know, his return on Monday went off without a hitch, but it really depends how good the match is. He looks to be in great shape. He's 49 years old. Sting was fucking 55, 56 when he wrestled the WrestleMania. And then again, he's another prime example of a guy who only came in for that WrestleMania match against Triple H. He said so in his DVD. That would be his final match with the company. He was going to do the honors, hence why he lost, because he wanted to do the honors for Triple H on the way out. And then they goaded him to coming back in a couple months later for that match against Rollins. So with Goldberg, if they throw him enough money, I'm sure he would come back for another match. Um, against two, I don't know. I mean, obviously to me it makes the most sense that Brock Lesnar win at Survivor Series. Maybe you do a rubber match. But then do you have Goldberg lose twice? Because I don't really want him to win against Brock Lesnar. I really feel like he should not be the one to beat the one in 23-1 and one or whatever the hell it is. Uh, do you do a match against... Kevin Owens or uh, Roman Reigns, as we've talked about before. There's a couple of different options they can go with. Um, again, for me, I really am just fine with one match. It really all depends how that Goldberg match with Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series goes off. Like you said, if you give him 10 minutes, I feel like that's all they really need. It doesn't need to be a fucking 30-minute, you know, I wasn't going to say classic, because Shane and Taker were given 30 minutes of WrestleMania this year, and it was a dud of a match. So you do not need 30 minutes for two guys that are in their 30s and 40s. It's just not necessary. So um, I really just want one match from Goldberg, but if the Brock Lesnar match at Survivor Series exceeds expectations, and if the next opponent makes sense under the right circumstances, I'd be fine with that. You know, you mentioned Sting and Triple H. It, 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 you know, it's not like Triple H had to have that victory. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It wasn't like a, a young star that Sting was just passing the torch to. It was just like... You know, that's a whole different story about Sting and should he have won and everything. And, and I think, you know, any you know any performer who goes for their final match, they they always lose. You know, we saw it. We saw it with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 26. We saw it with, with, with Sting at WrestleMania 31. Um, you know, I, I think at some point, whenever um, Taker hangs it up, he's gonna lose his final match. If this is Goldberg's final match, it. The handwriting is probably on the wall that he's going to lose to Brock Lesnar. But it just remains to be seen how can he be utilized after that or if this is just a one-off. And um, if it's only a one-off, do you think that it is going to be at Survivor Series? Or do you think there's a 2% chance that, that, they, that they can draw this out? I'm not saying all the way to April for, for Mania, but do you think that 
Royal Rumble, or do you think it has to happen uh, next month? It doesn't have to happen at Survivor Series. I'm not advocating that it needs to, but it just seems like from what we heard on Monday, from what I've been seeing for both guys being advertised for upcoming Raws, so Brock Lesnar has already been confirmed by the company to appear on Monday's Raw. Goldberg's been confirmed by the XL Center in Hartford, which I'm so... I'm not pissed because I've seen Goldberg in person before, but I really would love to be there because it's in Connecticut, and I'm in Massachusetts right now. But he's been confirmed for that show the night after Hell in the Cell in two weeks. And then Lesnar's going to be on the Raw two weeks after that. They're going to be in the go-home show, both of them, for the show before Survivor Series. So from what it looks like, it's going to be happening at that show. Now, could they drag it out to the Royal Rumble? They could. I mean, they're trying to sell all the Alamo Dome. I'm kind of surprised they're not doing it at the Rumble just because they want to get a big enough audience for that show as possible. And the Rumble's a big deal, and that's always a draw, but they might need another match. And I've heard AJ just say today on Twitter he wants a match with Shawn Michaels in that pay-per-view, which probably is also yes. not happening. But uh, I don't have any problem with it happening at Survivor Series. We talked about it last week, how they're also doing the Raw and SmackDown matches at that show, and it's going to feel, feel must-see for the first time in years. So I have no issue with it. The video game just came out. They want to promote that as quickly as possible. So uh, I think Survivor Series is the best fit from what it looks like at this point. Yeah, I think for me as a fan, I would like to, to, to see it again. If everything is worked out, you know, properly and laid out great, that they could drag it to Royal Rumble. They could drag it to WrestleMania. We've seen many storylines before starting September, October, and it goes all the way to freaking March and April. Um, do do fans want to see Brock and, and Goldberg part two at a WrestleMania? I have no idea, but I think a guy like Goldberg, can get a send-off at a WrestleMania. I don't think the send-off um, would be as proper for a Survivor Series because, you know, you know when you rank pay-per-views, Survivor Series out of the big four is probably, you know, number four. So um, for his final match for his final match to possibly be at a, at a Survivor Series, I, I don't know. I think they could drag it out to maybe the Rumble um, at the Alamo Dome. WrestleMania is too far. But I think regardless... Um, just just having him back healthy, even if, even if it's for, uh, for one match or two, um, people they can you know they can shit on it right now, but I guarantee you they're gonna be watching it. They're gonna be talking about it, Goldberg and Brock, and for the eight ten minutes that it happens. But also you know at the same time, Graham, you know Brock has to be willing to do some things too. I'm not saying lose a match, but you know, it can't just be whatever he wants to do. And that's it. Like Goldberg 49 hasn't wrestled in God knows how long. So, and now Brock is in the driver's seat to take care of Goldberg in, in, in this match coming up. I think he has to. I think the big criticism of Brock Lesnar's recent matches against Dean Ambrose and then again with Randy Orton at SummerSlam I'm sure he, he definitely has to say in his own matches. The WrestleMania match, you heard it on the Stone Cold podcast a few months ago. Ambrose wanted to do all this crazy shit in that, in that No Holds Barred match with Ambrose and Lesnar. And Lesnar, it was kind of implied that Lesnar said no, and he called him lazy. So uh, I, I'm sure Lesnar has to say. And that was also right before he went back to UFC, so he probably didn't want to risk anything. I get that. But the Randy Orton match was really just suplex, 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 RKO, punt attempt, F5 busted open, match over, and that was like an eight-minute match. With Goldberg, I don't, they're, they're not going to do that. I mean, Goldberg, he wants to win, and I don't think he will win. Not not saying he, he asked to win this match, but he hasn't been pinned 
Let me put it this way. I did my research this past week. Goldberg has not lost a one-on-one singles match by pinfall or submission since the year 2000 in his year-long run of WWE. He never lost once in singles competition. He lost the world title in a triple threat match. He beat Brock Lesnar. He beat everyone else. He lost inside the chamber, but that wasn't one-on-one. So he doesn't like to do the job, but I feel like he has to do the job in this case because Lesnar is going to be around for another year or two at the least. Goldberg will not be. So Lesnar should win. But the match style itself, I can guarantee you, they're not going to have Goldberg go out there and get suplexed four or five times in a row. This guy's a beast. And that'd be very disappointing. So I feel like Lesnar and Goldberg are good friends in real life. I feel like Lesnar would be willing to do whatever for Goldberg, sell for him, take a couple jackhammers and a, and a spear or two, kick out, hit an F5 or two, win the match. That's all this match needs to be. It doesn't need to be a five-star Matt Classic. You throw in a couple finishers, play off the crowd, make it a spectacle, it could work. You mentioned earlier that AJ Styles, you know, he, he wants to possibly have uh, a match with, with Shawn Michaels. Uh, uh, I saw it on SI earlier. I think in title, non-title, whatever it, was, whatever it is, he wants them to have a match with Shawn Michaels. And there's been a lot of debate, you know, on, on Twitter recently about you know, is AJ like the new Shawn Michaels? Who would win uh, between AJ and Shawn Michaels, obviously, in their prime? Um Royal Rumble in Alamo Dome in San Antonio, where Shawn Michaels is from. Um, just to even have Shawn Michaels there would be a plus. Uh, I, I think it'd be stupid to to, to not have him there. Um, whether if he's part of the Rumble match, as like the legends do all the time, and not saying Shawn's gonna win the Rumble, but um, what, in your honest opinion? The chances of Shawn Michaels being at the Rumble, whether in a one-on-one match with AJ or in the Rumble itself, um, how high or, or how low are that percentages for Shawn Michaels to appear at the Rumble? Slim to none. In a wrestling role, <laughs> none. I, I actually do kind of expect him to show up in some, in some form or fashion, considering the last time they were in the Alamo Dome 20 years ago, the guy won the Rumble. So I feel like they'd be remiss not to have him show up in some capacity, whether it be as a referee or even in a brief backstage role. The chances of him wrestling, though, mm. are slim to none, because I feel like Michaels is among the few, if not the only one, who's ever really acknowledged and lived up to the whole retirement stipulation that once I lose, I'm done. The guy had a perfect send-off. I mean, would a match with AJ be worth coming out of retirement for? Absolutely. I mean, like you said, AJ's almost like been compared to, in many ways, the current incarnation of Shawn Michaels, our current Shawn Michaels, and really having a whole other career for himself. Michaels had, really, if you look at it, two separate careers from pre-back injury and post-back injury, and they were both pretty damn great. AJ didn't have a significant injury per se, but I look at it with a TNA career for 10 years, and then his New Japan and WWE work. It's like a whole other career, and the guy's almost 40 years old, and he's killing it right now. So would the match be worth coming out of retirement for, like I said, absolutely. I just don't see it happening because, I mean, really, if it was, if there was a money match worth coming out of retirement for, we saw the same thing two, three years ago with Daniel Bryan at Hell in a Cell, all timely at Hell in a Cell a couple years ago. He cost Daniel Bryan the WWE title as a referee or something. Daniel Bryan locked him in the, uh, um, the fucking with the, the yes lock the night after, and that was it. They blew off the angle, and that was it. They didn't do a match at WrestleMania. They very well could have. That would have been the money match. Shawn Michaels trained Daniel Bryan. That didn't happen. So that would have been the time to bring him out of retirement. They didn't. I mean, granted, money talks. They throw him a big enough deal right. that 
blows that other offer away, maybe. But I feel like we hear the same report every year that they offered Shawn Michaels a deal to come back. He always says no. I have no problem with that because he retired in the perfect way possible. I'd really love for him to be the only one that does not come out of retirement for a match, regardless of who it's against. Um, so I don't really want people, despite what AJ said, because who wouldn't want to face Shawn Michaels in the Alamo down? But despite what he said, I don't want people to get their hopes up thinking that he will be in there, whether it be in the Rumble match itself or in a singles match of Styles or whoever. I don't really want people to expect that he will be there in a wrestling role. If you if you try to you know playing playing you know hypothetically if you take the body of work and and the career and the resume of AJ Styles as of today him being thirty nine years old and take Shawn Michaels career and resume maybe at the same age AJ is now so let's say we're talking oh three oh four Shawn Michaels um, who. You know, not saying who you who who you're more of a fan of, but who do you think had has the better resume uh, with with AJ with being TNA, Ring of Honor, all that stuff, and what Shawn Michaels did at the same uh, age with AJ being 39, Shawn Michaels talking 0304 time. Which which one you think had had the better resume? Uh, that's tough. I think it's still too early to say for Styles because he really hasn't even hit his peak in WWE. He's only been here for ten months. And he's already been in the Rumble, had great matches with Jericho, Reigns, John Cena, Dean Ambrose, is the current WWE champion. And if you think about it, I mean, Shawn Michaels was a multi-time WWE champion. But when he came back, as you said in 03 or 04, by that point, he only won the world title once in that second stint of the company. It lasted all of like three or four weeks. Right, right. And Styles has already surpassed that. Not saying that he's had a greater reign as champion, but um, at this point, if you're... A gun-to-head answer, I'd probably go with Shawn Michaels because at that point, regardless of all the work that Styles has done from TNA to Japan to currently, has had a lot of amazing matches, goes without saying. Shawn Michaels at that point had been with the company for on and off for like 20 years, had made events in multiple WrestleManias, multi-time WWE champion, a match of the year candidates year in, year out. Um, amazing return from back injury. So I'd probably go with Shawn Michaels because he still is to this day considered one of the greatest of all time. Styles, had he been in WWE since 03 up mm. to this point, maybe he wouldn't have been. Maybe he wouldn't have been used right, so who knows. But um, gun-to-head answer, <laughs> probably would go with Shawn Michaels, but it's really close. One more on, on, on the Rumble being in San Antonio. Now, you know, it is in Texas, and we know Shawn's from there. Stone Cold is from Texas. Um, so is Taker. Um, if, if you were trying to do something with those three, um, whether wrestling or non-wrestling, how would you kind of fit all three of those guys to appear? Because we know at least two of those guys are going to be on the card or on the, uh, well, not on the card, but at least at the, the pay-per-view. So if you're trying to mix in Sean, Stone Cold, Taker, get some more people to buy in, uh, to, to, to the event with it being in Texas, do you do anything with Taker? Do you do anything with Stone Cold? Do you do anything with, with Shawn Michaels? You should. Again, probably not in a wrestling role. I honestly right. think there might be a better chance of seeing Stone Cold in the ring at the Royal Rumble, which is also fairly unlikely than Shawn Michaels, just because Stone Cold never really retired. People say one more match, blah, blah, blah. So I don't think Stone Cold wouldn't come back for a, a Rumble return if he's going to last all of a minute. I mean, I feel like that'd be kind of a waste for Stone Cold. I mean, I could see that for like a GBL or something, not for Stone Cold Steve Austin, but they should be there. 
I mean, they all showed up at WrestleMania. Undertaker wrestled, and then Sean and Stone Cold all they attacked the League of Nations after the New Day six man tag team uh, this past year. So I'd expect them to be there. Um, knowing WWE, the same, not the same city, but they had. I don't think it was Raw one thousand. I think it might have been like the twenty year anniversary of Raw, and it was in Texas, and none of those guys showed up. So it was kind of disappointing. I mean, this is the Royal Rumble. This is kind of a bigger deal. It's the 30-year anniversary. I re- Again, I don't want people to get their hopes up, expecting all three guys to be there, especially if most of them probably won't even wrestle. Well, Taker, just put him in the Rumble. I mean, you can start his next program. I think a lot of people thought he would be in the Rumble this year, and he wasn't. But I think you could put Taker in the Rumble and have Cena eliminate him or something. That kicks off their WrestleMania feud. So at the very least, I expect Taker to be there in some form, form or fashion, considering he hasn't been to the Rumble in eight, seven years or something. It's been a long-ass time. So for Michaels and Stone Cold, I don't think they'll wrestle. Um, but it would be cool if one of them refereed. But it's been kind of done to death, so I don't know what you can really do at that point. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I expect at least Taker to be there in some form or fashion in a wrestling role, at least in the Rumble match. Hey, uh, Mickey James coming back. Uh, I know me and you are very excited about that. Uh, and coming back to NXT Toronto the night before Survivor Series. And, you know, I'm on Twitter last week and um, I kept seeing Mickey James trending, trending. And I'm like, you know, you know, what's up? And I check it out and it says, hey, her versus Oscar for the for the title. NXT, uh, NXT Toronto um, before Survivor Series. Um me, I always put it out there, Grant, for those who follow me on Twitter. I always say my top three favorite female wrestlers of all time in no order are Lita, Mickey James. And right now, you know, people can give me flack and say, well, you're just kind of in the moment. But I think for someone, for, you know, between Charlotte and Sasha Banks would be a tie for 3A, 3B. And I only say they're not saying they're better than, than Trish and all the other female wrestlers before but i think for me as a fan i just like seeing lita i like seeing mickey james they had different characters different personalities um and so does charlotte and and sasha banks um but yeah mickey james is coming back we have no idea it was just for nxt or maybe a longer stint but you as a fan you know how did you feel the news that mickey james was making a comeback super excited so the news broke only a couple hours after we talked and we were talking last week here on the show about and I name-dropped a few people who had returned in past years, like Bret Hart, Batista, Brock Lesnar, year to year. And I'm thinking to myself while I'm talking to you that we've never really had a big return for the women. And I know Trish had a couple matches in, that, in 2011, including one at WrestleMania 27, which was completely forgettable, the whole Snooki thing. No one really even remembers that. Mm-hmm. And this role was actually supposed to be for her. According to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, she was supposed to come back and face Asuka. Asuka was going to go heel, or at least be a heel for this match, because it's in Toronto. That actually kind of makes sense. But then again, mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of more excited that that happened, because Trish got pregnant, so they replaced her with Nikki. And I'm more excited about that, because like I said, we last saw Trish five years ago. She still deserves one last good send-off, because that was kind of shitty, in my opinion. She got overshadowed by the old Snicky, and that was kind of a waste, kind of a waste of her return. Um, but we've seen her in the ring before over the past five, six years. We have not seen Mickey James in WWE in at least seven years. And she's still active. Trish isn't wrestling anymore. She she can still come back and have a good match. But Mickey's been wrestling regularly. We haven't seen her in seven years in WWE, but she spent a couple of years in TNA, had a great run over there. She's still on the indies. She's currently not even dating. I think they're married now. Uh, Magnus from TNA 
and they're doing some events right now over in England. She, so she wasn't in Florida to make the return last week, but they sent out some message that will air on TV in the next couple weeks, a lot like Shinsuke did a couple months ago when he first debuted. So I think the news is great. Always been a big Mickey fan. She's a great wrestler. Her and Oscar should kill it in Toronto. Um, in terms of how long she's going to be around for, I don't think she's back around for a full-on stint. Because like I said, the, the role was originally planned for Trish, but I heard Trish was going to do a couple matches so I don't know if she'll be sticking around in the NXT. I think it'd be cool if she showed up on the main roster at some point and faced, you know, Sasha or Bailey or whoever, Charlotte for like a for like a couple months run before officially going into the Hall of Fame next year or something. That'd be pretty cool. And I know people were asking, oh, why isn't she showing up on Raw? Aren't those bigger priorities? The main roster doesn't need her right now. Raw and SmackDown, Raw's women's division needs work, but they're doing the whole Charlotte and Sasha Banks, and they don't need Mickey James right now. They have enough star power on that show. SmackDown's just fine. NXT, their women's division needs someone like a Mickey James, needs a bigger name. So I think it's great. The match should be great. I'm already looking forward to that show. And um, I thought the news, it was a great breaking news story to finish off my Thursday last week. So you don't think that there's any chance or, or, or a big-time chance that Mickey James could go in there and win the belt from Oscar, right? No, I don't think so. I mean, I'd be shocked. Oh, come I'm actually on, kind of against that idea just because Asuka's been undefeated since September of last year when she first showed up. And have her lose to, not that it would be illogical because Nikki Jean's a veteran, <laughs> but that rub should really go to the next big star in NXT before Asuka eventually gets called up. So whether it be a Billy Kay or hopefully Ember Moon, I think Ember Moon will build her up at some point, have her take the title from Asuka maybe at their TakeOver Dallas show, whatever, or take over the WrestleMania before TakeOver. Or the takeover before WrestleMania, sorry. Uh, so she should be the one. Mickey James is more of a, more so a roadblock and a good little draw for that takeover show. It should be amazing that paper. Yeah, you know when it, when it was all announced, you know we saw Sasha, you know, respond and, and Sasha very happy about that. Bailey wants a a freaking match with, with with Mickey James. So I think I think the the opportunities are endless with Mickey James outside of Oscar and it just you know just again bringing back that whole nostalgia uh, thing and like I told you before it's just the fact that we've always seen a male performer come back and do a return and do this and do that and never have we seen uh, I want to say never but recently we haven't seen a female superstar come back and make a return and be like oh shit whether it's for the the main brand it's for NXT. And I think Mickey doing this, uh, not saying NXT needs a needs a boost because they have lost talent to the main roster, but um, I guess it, it just adds to the more importance that NXT is nowadays. And um, I don't watch it regularly. I haven't really watched it since Balor and, and all these guys got called up. But her being on the card, Toronto before Survivor Series, should be very interesting. And, and again, if they have, if she wants to do it, if she can, to have these little one-off matches with the, the Charlottes and the Sasha Banks and the Bailey or, or Becky Lynch, um, I think those would be the only ones she should go after, um, in in my opinion, because I know she would, she would do a great job with those with those female wrestlers. So um, again, I'm happy she's back. Just gotta wait and see on how long she'll be there for. So um, you mentioned Charlotte and Sasha Banks. They do have this Hell in a Cell match. Coming up at Hell in a Cell for the women's title, the Raw women's title. Um, I, I, I think as of today, they are st- it's still the main event, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they will be in the Hell in a Cell. Um, 
as time comes forward now, knowing that we're 10 days away, um, are you happy, excited that, that this match is the main event or going to be going to be the main event? And do you still have any doubts that this match should even be in a Hell in a Cell? Not because they can't perform, but the fact that maybe the rivalry and the storyline has not gotten that heated up to where it the, the, the final match has to be in a Hell in a Cell. So I know Mick Foley said this past week, I think on his Facebook page, yeah. that the woman would main event the show, but then he later rephrased his post, he edited it and said he didn't know, and that the lineup of the show is always changing until hours of the event. So that is very true. So Foley was just kind of, he was speaking out of the line, not intentionally, uh-huh. and he said they would main event. But then again, how stupid would it be, how dumb would it be if they weren't the main event? They're in fucking Boston. It's the most anticipated match in the show. Balor, and not Balor, I'm sorry, Owens and uh, Rollins. Rollins is a good match. Reigns and Rusev is a good match. They're both inside the cell. We talked about the abundance of Hell in the Cell matches last week, which is overkill, but it is what it is. And none of those matches come close to the importance of this match. It's history-making. But there's another thing, too. Like you said, that, that's a big criticism for a lot of fans, and I agree. Not that it shouldn't be the main event. It absolutely should be, and I expect it to be. But... And here, here's the thing. If it wasn't a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, I'm saying it should be a Hell in a Cell match because it's the Hell in a Cell show. But if we didn't have the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, should this match be inside Hell in a Cell? No. I mean, we talked with this a month right. ago when we were going into SummerSlam. I said they should be given some sort of gimmick match at that pay-per-view, whether it be a ladder match, a last woman standing match. I don't think I ever said or anyone yeah. really ever said, oh, you know what, before a couple weeks ago anyway, you know what, Sasha and Charlotte is a feud that should be blown off inside Hell in a Cell. I don't think anyone ever really said that. It's cool they're making history, but this feud, they, they should be focusing more in these interviews with Alita about how dangerous the cell is and how it's almost even reckless to be putting two women in there. Not that they shouldn't, and I think they're going to have a great match, but they should really be focusing on the aspect that this cell is dangerous. For weeks, all we really heard is, oh, this match will be inside Hell in a Cell. Okay, but why? Why are these two, why is this rivalry so heated that it deserves and that it justifies being put and culminating inside Hell in a Cell? Mick Foley is their fucking GM, the guy who ended his career one and many times inside Hell in a Cell in 2000 and almost got killed in 1998 against The Undertaker. Why isn't he showing more, you know, concern over the woman being put in such an environment? He shouldn't be applauding it. I get it we're applauding it from, like, a women's, you know, uh, a women's revolution standpoint. Like, it's cool to see them get this. It's a big step forward. I get that. But from a storyline standpoint, we should be like, oh, shit, like, these women can get killed in there. And that's the thing. They sh- that's a story they should be telling going into this match. They still have one more week. They have Monday. They have time to, to rectify that issue. Um, <laughs> they should be main eventing. I'm fine with it being inside the cell because it is a Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. But if it wasn't a Hell in the Cell pay-per-view, I would have just made it like a ladder match or a last woman standing. If it was December and we were talking about this right now, it would be a TLC match. It's really just because the pay-per-view is the fucking Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. But it wasn't. I'd rather just be in a ladder match or something like that. But I'm still looking forward to it. Like I said, I'll be there. So I'll be there to see history being made. It's great. But they should focus less on the history being made aspect of it on Raw and more on the aspect that it's a dangerous match and both women could walk out of this. If they walk out at all, uh, very beat up and bruised and damaged and whatever else. Yeah, I think sometimes they're more focused on like, oh, you know, we're the first one to do it or it, this match will make history if, or for the first time ever. And it's like, okay, 
great. We appreciate you doing this, but you know, I would say do it, do it when it's right. I mean, I, I think it is time for Sasha and, and Charlotte or even, you know, Becky and, and Bailey to, to, to be main eventing these pay-per-views. And I think just to put them in the hell in a cell, just to say, well, oh, we're going to, we're going to put on the first ever female hell in a cell match. I think the rivalry and the storyline that's going on between those two females um, doesn't actually warrant the hell in the cell. You know, would it be better, like you said, a last woman standing match? Yeah. A ladder match? Yeah. A two out of three falls match? Yeah. But a hell in the cell, you know, you, you know, you think Taker, Sean, uh, Mick Foley, uh, Triple H, Brock Lesnar, uh, uh, you know, these guys who, who, who've had wars and months and months of rivalry and talk and back and forth and hatred, and you go in that match, and it's like, all right, this is the end of the rivalry, and we don't keep going. You know, don't have, the, don't have them fight Hell in a Cell uh, next week, and then they have a fucking rematch on Raw in a basic one-on-one match. Like, you can't do that. And sometimes they'll do that. They'll keep it going, but I think it has to be the final match for them for a while. But I think if, if the storyline were to warrant that, I'd be like, you know what? These two girls hate each other. They can't stand each other. You know, they were just in the same ring with Rusev a week and a half ago, just standing there, and, and they, they pushing him out the ring. I'm like, well, I guess they don't really hate each other. Why are they in the Hell in a Cell match when they just standing next to each other in the ring? Like, like everything is cool. So, like, you know, I, I don't mind it. it. It should main event. If it's going to be Hell in a Cell, then fine, let's do it. Hope no one gets hurt. But I think for these gimmick matches, you got to make sure that these rivalries warrant that. Does, does Rusev and, and Roman Reigns warrant that? I don't think so. Technically, none of the matches that, 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 that they have in the cell warrant the cell. And it's just the fact that it's, it's the name of the pay-per-view, you got to have Hell in a Cell matches. And unfortunately, these three, these three matches don't really need to be in the fucking cell. That was the thing with me for a long time, and it still is, is that the cell for many years, and to an extent still is, is used as a placeholder. When they first came up with the pay-per-view a couple of years ago, um, they had Cena Norton inside the cell, and then a couple of weeks later they did an Iron Man match between the two at the next pay-per-view. They've done many matches inside the cell. Punk and Ryback continue their feud after Hell in a Cell. Fuck, I couldn't even tell you. Uh, Mark Henry and Randy Orton had another match on SmackDown. The week after Hell in a Cell, after they faced off. It's like, really? Then what was even the point of doing Inside the Cell? Batista and Triple H blew off their feud Inside Hell in a Cell in 05. Did they have another match after that? No. Not even, not even, like, in the week after. They never had another match, period, against each other, ever. <laughs> like, that's, that's really what they're putting over Hell in a Cell as. Shawn Michaels and Taker had very few matches after that Hell in a Cell match in 1997. Mick Foley and Undertaker, that was it. For Mick Foley in 2000, his career was over. Albeit for a couple weeks, but that was the end of Triple H and McFoley, the feud. Jericho and Triple H didn't face off after their Hell in a Cell match in 2002. So you know what I mean? Like, it's an anchor, it's a, it's a recurring issue in recent years anyway. And another reason why, of the many reasons that we talked about before, why this pay-per-view needs to be done away with ASAP. Hopefully starting next year, they get rid of it. It took, if my math is correct, it took 11 years before Sean and Taker fought one-on-one again. I know they, they last did it. Uh, I know the Hell in a Cell was in '97, but they, they had the Royal Rumble match, the casket match with yeah, Sean. Yeah, the casket match. Yeah, that was January of '98, and they didn't get, 
the last time they fought, the, the the first time they fought after that was the WrestleMania 25, which arguably is the greatest yep. match of all time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then after that, WrestleMania 26, and that was it. So, like you said, it really should be the the culmination of all these feuds blown off for good and not like, oh, they just fought inside Hell in a Cell, Reigns or, or uh, Roos have won the belt back, let's do the, the rubber match on Raw. Like, no, it just really defeats the purpose. Not only does it, does it devalue the cell structure, it's already been devalued. The question of whether it's going to devalue the cell structure, it's, it's been devalued for the past seven years, ever since they made this a pay-per-view. So that's not even really a question. Edge and Taker, another two people, before the pay-per-view was made, they had a Hell in the Cell match at uh, SummerSlam a couple years ago. Not a couple, it's almost like a decade at this point, but... They never fought again after that. That was it. Edge retired, Taker's a part-timer now, and they never had another match after that. So another example of a few that was that, that was blown off for good after Inside Hell in the Cell, and it was a great match, too. Probably the last truly great Cell match, and, and, and probably since Taker and Lesnar last year, I'd say. So now we go to SmackDown real quick. A couple things happened. Um, obviously, from, from Raw, they accepted the Survivor Series traditional matches uh, challenge laid down by SmackDown um, with the 5-on-5 when it comes to the the, the women, the tag team, and I guess the best five um, in general on on the men's side. Um, So now we have the challenge laid out. Now we got to find out who who should be on these teams. Should it be, should the champions be involved? Uh, Should, you know, the Brock and Goldberg be involved? Should the women's champions be involved? Should the tag champions be involved? If you were... You know, booking this, um, who needs to be on each team? Uh, do you take out the champions because they might have a championship match on that on that on that night? Storyline wise, like we said last week, it makes the most sense to put every one of your top guys in that top men's match. The women's match will be fine. They'll put the belt. They'll put the champions in that match. They have to. I mean, the divisions are small enough. They kind of have to. It would make no sense to put anyone else in those matches, but. The women's champions for both Raw and SmackDown. Tag team, same thing. The tag titles, the tag champions for both shows will be included. It's really more of a question whether the world titles will be defended. And I really don't think it's necessary. I mean, the WWE title does not need to. AJ Styles should be in that match. The, the Universal title is different just because Owens is the champion and probably will be champion coming out of Hell in a Cell. And they are in Canada and they might want to do Owens and, like, Jericho, battle the Canadians in Canada would be pretty damn cool. But it has to be under the right circumstances. I don't want to see Owens and Reigns for the belt at Survivor Series. That's not fucking necessary. You can wait until the next pay-per-view. Otherwise, Owens, unless it's a really good match, should be in the five-on-five match, and it's got to be your best players. I mean, like you said last week, you can't fucking consist of Jack Swagger and Bo Dallas. Like, Braun Strowman makes sense. The guy's on a roll. And, you know, he needs more competition. I get that. You need, like, the big heavy guys. But you don't need a Jack Swagger or a Kalisto or people who haven't done anything in ages. That's kind of a waste. Um, so it's got to be your heavy hitters for both teams if this thing's really going to be legit. Well, you know, you know, Stephanie did, you know, did Stephanie did tell Y2J and KO that she wants, she needs both of them on the same page for this whole Survivor Series thing and, and everything like that. So I'm, I'm assuming that they're going to be on the main Raw team. But just me writing it down, I could be wrong. So you mean to tell me that a, a 5-on-5 team, I'm missing one from SmackDown. I have no idea who I'm missing. But, like, for example, Kevin Owens, Jericho, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and Rusev will be the five. And I know there's good and bad guys on the team, but if you talk about your best five, 
You mean to tell me that those five can be one team and then they'll go like that? It needs to be. It can't be like raw good guys smack <laughs> on bad guys. That would just be eliminating a whole bunch of talent from both shows. And, I mean, like I said, the last time they did this was that survive. Not, I mean, even bragging rights, they put good and bad guys in the same team for both shows. So that shouldn't even really be a question in regards to whether it should be just bad guys, just good guys. That would really just be stupid. The best matches are the wild card matches. You can further the feed between Rollins and, uh, Rollins and Owens by putting them on the same team. Can they coexist? Same thing with Styles and Ambrose. Um, so, yeah, it, it has to be a mixture of both bad guys and good guys. When they did it in No Private Survivor Series, it was a mixture of bad guys and good guys. And they put their differences aside because they wanted to be the better brand. That's what this match would be about, too. So Okay, so for SmackDown, um, you know, let, let's say any event, Orton and Bray Wyatt are, are, are doing their own thing, for example. You can have AJ Styles, John Cena, Dean Ambrose, The Miz, and what, Dolph as the five? If if not, you put Randy Orton or Bray Wyatt in there? Yeah, I, yeah, I think um, I think Orton and Wyatt should be on the team, or at least Orton. I mean, I'd rather just have them cut off the Orton and Wyatt feud because it's not really doing anything for anybody. Yeah. But um, I could see as a wild card, this one I know I said no like Jack Swaggers and stuff, but this one guy has been on a roll, and I'd have no problem with it. If you have a Braun Strowman for Raw, Okay, so if they don't have the five that you propose and they take out Rusev or something and they put in Braun Strowman, which I feel like they might, you have that heavy wild card guy. You don't really know what he's going to do. A nice mm-hmm. little main event Rob. You put Braun Strowman on Raw. I could see them putting Darren Corbin on the SmackDown team. He's been winning a lot. He, he's on the rise. He was yeah. on Talking Smack this week, the Talking Smack this week, demanding more competition. So I'd be fine with him. Um, I don't know if you do a uh, Miz Ziggler rematch. I hope not. And put Miz or Ziggler on the team, maybe not both of them, but um, I'd be fine with the Corbin and Strowman on the respective teams. But no really more mid-carters than that, though, I'd say. All right, well, you know, it remains to be seen on, on uh, about who's going to be on these two teams. Uh, as, you know, Stephanie said, 5-on-5 five five tag team, 5-on-5 five five women's match, and a 5-on-5 five five, uh, of your best five. That'll be at Survivor Series. So I guess in, in the next you know, coming weeks, we'll find out who will be on these teams. Um, I guess the last point I have is the whole AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, and James Ellsworth thing that has been been has been playing out for two weeks now. Um, now in the main event for the world title, you know AJ still is champion, but he lost by DQ. Um, what did you make of all this, man? Are, are you more like Mal? This, you know, this is very funny and, and, and entertaining, or are you more like you know what? It was cool the first time, but now it's getting a little ridiculous. It depends how long they drag it out for. I thought it was geared for both weeks. I mean, the first match, like we talked about last week, I thought they dragged that match on a little bit too long. This match was a bit different, and they did exactly what I told you I wanted them to do, and exactly what I hoped they would do, and having Ellsworth come close. The Nochin music was hilarious. I thought that was amazing. He got the super kick really well delivered, though. One, two, and then he kicked out at two. And for the belt, too. So I thought it was awesome. I thought that one spot was really good. The whole Ambrose interjecting himself, I could have done without that. The DQ was a little weird. So, I mean, I thought he would just beat him and that'd be it. But I guess they're continuing it. Um, that's good. I mean, the guy's over. Like, ride this train as long as it can. I thought it was good. Um, if you do it for the next three months, if they do a pay-per-view match between them, that might be taking a little too far. But if they want to continue this till Survivor Series, they got some time to kill. They're doing Ambrose and Styles next week. And if Ambrose can beat Styles, then he gets a title shot. 
Um, so I like how they're using Ellsworth. They, I believe he's not done yet. If he beat the champion twice, two weeks in a row, I feel like he can't be done. So I don't know where he goes from here. Um, but hopefully we have not seen the last of him, and they continue to use him in the months ahead. So now the part that I don't like is the fact that we just saw AJ and Dean Ambrose for the title for the title at Backlash, um, I, and also the rematch. I think before the, the, the triple threat match, so that's twice. Mm-hmm. They're gonna fight again next week, and if Dean Ambrose wins that match, he will get a title shot. So we're looking at possible four matches between AJ and Dean Ambrose in, in, in a month and a half span. Um, now I'm, I'm not sure is the fact that there's nobody else to compete for AJ for the title right now. John Cena's probably filming some stuff. Um, are you at the point where you're liking these matches? You, you're, that you're liking the rivalry, or are you more like you know what? You can't always be having AJ and Dean Ambrose go one-on-one for the belt every single week. I mean, this probably wouldn't have happened if they built up like a guy like Apollo Crews in the meantime, and they could do an AJ-Apollo feud until Survivor Series. Obviously, that's going to happen because the guy couldn't mean uh-huh. less right now, Apollo Crews. But yeah, I think it is a little weird. They did, they're did they doing AJ and Dean at least three times, maybe four, for the title. Um, I'm not exactly sure what Dean did to deserve it. I know AJ demanded the match, so at least the, the GMs didn't give it to him. AJ wanted the match, as you said on Talking Smack, but he lost twice. He loses again at No Mercy. <coughs> the guy's already lost three times to, to AJ Styles, technically. Yeah. And then he'll probably beat him. They'll do another match. Uh, I'd re- and I don't really want AJ losing all the time. So I know he won the No, no Mercy match, but he's already lost twice to Ellsworth. He'll probably lose again this week. Not really a way to book your world champion. So I'd rather just have Ambrose, just put him in a match with like Baron Corbin or something, like a number one contenders match. So I'd rather just see that as opposed to beating AJ again. I mean, the third and final title match, if they want to do a stip match for it, like no DQ or something, I'm cool with that. But having him beat the champion before going for the belt again, yeah, I'm not really a fan of that. I just haven't beat somebody else. Like a number one contenders match. That's the way it used to be. Because otherwise, it just makes the champ look weak. Or you can finally have them finish their rivalry in a Hell in a Cell match. <laughs> Do the Hell in a Cell on uh, on main event. Hey, Hell in a Cell on, on, on Hell in a Cell on a Tuesday on SmackDown. Look at that. <laughs> Just Why not? For the first time ever. <laughs> For the first time ever on Tuesday night SmackDown Live. Man, get out of here with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what know. the scary thing is? You think the, the, the scary thing about you saying that is? I feel like they might. Not that they're going to do that. But they would do something like that just to say it was the first time ever. They're so obsessed with saying the first time ever for all this other shit. Let's have a Hell in a Cell match on, on SmackDown for the first time ever. Let's do an Iron Man. Actually, they have done an Iron Man match on SmackDown before. That's a lie. So with Brock and uh, Angle. So, I mean, who knows? If they give him a gimmick match, I'm, I'm fine with it. But I think four matches might be too many for AJ and uh, Ambrose. Yo, what's with everybody getting at Daniel Bryan on, on Talking Smack, man? I, I don't know if that's scripted or they're supposed to do that, but The Miz, AJ Styles, Baron Corbin, all getting in, in Daniel Bryan's face and just telling him, you know, what he should be doing and, and telling him that, you know, what he is doing now is not correct, it's not right, he, he's, he's the authority. AJ not really uh, agreeing with, with, with what Daniel Bryan has been doing. Baron Corbin wants more challenges, you know, in, in the upcoming future, which I think he should get. Uh, have you noticed that? Like, all these guys always going at the Daniel Bryan, nobody going at the Shane McMahon. That's the thing, Shane. I'm glad they're not always in the show. I don't even think Bryan was on the show this week. 
until it's talking smack, but I don't think he was on SmackDown itself. No, it was Shane. Shane's not really there every week, which is, again, good. I'm yeah. like fucking Stephanie and Foley, who are in like 10 segments every single week. Oh, God. So I'd rather take this over that when Stephanie is like, you know, uh, berating the entire roster, men and women, all of them. He's, she's undermining everyone in the single ro- every single person in the roster. Um, but yeah, with Brian, it's kind of a recurring theme to have him be like emasculated by Miz and AJ and now Corbin and never really shames, so, which is weird. And it's not like it's leading to another match. I mean, Brian himself, I mean, like, from speaking from like a real standpoint here, not even in storyline, the guy wants to wrestle. He doesn't really want to be a GM. It's the next best thing for him, other than doing commentary for like the CWC and shit. He wants to wrestle, and he can't. And they're utilizing him just because he's under contract for the next two or three years. This is really the only role they have for him right now that does not include wrestling, which they won't allow him to do. So the guy's kind of a prisoner right now, and they're, now they're having him just get his balls ripped off every single Tuesday by all the heels in the roster, which I guess is better than having the GM rip the balls off the members of the roster. But it, I don't think it's even really leading to anything. You know what I mean? So it is, it is a bit weird. I don't know where that's going. I don't think it's going to lead anywhere, to be honest with you. Now, I knew I, I, I did forget something, and, you know, uh, I thought this match was going to be on a pay-per-view, maybe Survivor Series, but they're already giving away Seth Rollins Y2J, Kevin Owens, I, I believe non-title triple threat match on Raw this coming Monday. And it's like, to me, that's the match I was. I thought that was either going to happen at A, Hell in a Cell, or B, at Survivor Series. But now to give it away on Raw the week before KO and Seth Rollins goes one-on-one. Um, I mean, do you care about stuff like that? Are you just happy that you're getting a triple threat match? Or do you feel like they always tend to give away these matches for free, yeah. a-, a la New Day and Cesaro and Sheamus in a tag match, knowing that they got to fight for the belts seven days after that. Yeah, I'm of the exact same mindset. I mean, for one thing, the only real good thing I can say about this is that I'm, I'm glad that they're advertising stuff a week out because it gives people a reason to tune in. But the buck stops there. I mean, the fact they're doing this match on Raw is so dumb because I think people want to see that match as opposed to Rollins and, and uh, Owens. I did. Jericho is more over than either one of those guys. I love Rollins. I love Owens. But let's be honest, Jericho is more over than either one of those guys combined right now. Yeah. You're doing that match on Raw. So unless Jericho wins and he gets himself in the match on Sunday, is the only real difference between the two matches that the cell is going to be involved? And really, does that ever really make a difference anyway? And with the tag team title, I mean, I guess they might do Kofi and Big E. Then at the pay per view, they might do Xavier and Big E. But then again, what the fuck is the point? Because I don't care about the match. If you do it on the Raw before the pay-per-view, you can have Sheamus and Cesaro win and then lose the pay-per-view. Just, they already have the title shot. It's just dumb. It's really dumb. The, the tag title more than the, than the Rollins, Jericho, and Owens one. Because they're doing that exact same match that Sunday. So I don't get what the point is. But the triple threat should be happening either at the pay-per-view or at Survivor Series. Because then again, why should I watch the pay-per-view? So I'm getting two matches for free on Raw. It is a little dumb. I'm glad they advertised it for one thing. And I just blew it off and, like, you know, announced it in the next segment after commercial break. But still, it should not be happening at all unless it's a big stage like Survivor Series or Hell in the Cell, as you said. Graham Matthews, man, always a pleasure having you on. Uh, you do great work for Bleacher Report, Hidden Remote. Um, what the culture or what culture? Which one is it? What culture, yeah. What culture, Bleacher Report, Hidden Remote. He's on Twitter at Russell Ranch. Go check out his work. Um, anything else 
noteworthy that I'm forgetting from Raw or SmackDown or any, any or any other newsworthy stuff? I think that was it. I mean, Raw was really just Goldberg and then Rollins, Jericho, Owens. The rest of the show was, was what it was. SmackDown was better, but not by that much. I mean, we had the stuff with uh, Styles, Ellsworth, and Ambrose, which we talked about. Talking Smack, I would suggest people, highly recommend people watch Talking Smack for Corbin's yeah. promo, which was awesome. And then really the only thing, as you said, we talked to Mickey James, Roderick Strong's in NXT debut this week. That was really cool for Ring of Honor. Um, just a lot of cool stuff going on right now. Looking forward to being at Hell in a Cell in just 10 more days. The Go to Hell Tour continues the next week and a half. Hey, man, do you, you know what, what's crazy? We haven't even talked about The Miz since he lost the Intercontinental Championship. Can you believe that? I know, and that's another good thing going on on SmackDown right now. They had actually a pretty good match. I will say that Miz, Spirit Squad, Slig, Ziggler, Slater, and Rhino all had a pretty good six-man tag on, on Tuesday. Not that noteworthy, but it was a good match. I will say that. Graham Matthews, man, thank you. I appreciate it. As always, dude, I'll talk to you next week. All right.